Hello, my faithless Americans. Super Action Man here to tell you guys about a presidential order that came from the number one man in the nation, the guy who writes my checks, the President of the United States. It's a brand new comic book featuring me in some of my undisclosed missions around the globe. You're going to want to pick this up because a lot of these missions and secret wars that I fight in hellholes like Cambodia, Burma, Afghanistan, Paris, never see the light of day. Now you get a chance to read them for yourself in your own Super Action Man four-color funny book. Why don't you support American businesses right now and go into your local comic book shop and ask them for Super Action Man number one. It's got the preview code MAY111224. Just tell your comic book store owner that's what you want, he'll order you up a copy. And issue number one has a little cameo for all you nerds out there. It features me against the number one big bad, Bin Laden, mano a mano. I won't tell you guys how it ends, I think you already know, but you're going to want to see this stuff. Some of this stuff will never make it to the front pages of your paper. If you love America, buy my book. If you love the freedom of speech, buy my book. If you want to make love to the Statue of Liberty, buy my book. If you love Jesus Christ, buy my book. If you're British, sorry, buy my book. If you're Canadian, buy my book. You kind of owe us one. If you don't even speak English, buy my book. It's got pictures. If you're a Democrat, buy my book. If you're a Republican, buy my book. If you're an independent, make up your mind, then buy my book. My glasses is crooked. Are you all right? If you're a conservative, buy my book. If you're a liberal, buy my book. Then recycle it. You looking good? If you love cats, buy my book. If you're friends with Ben Dunn, buy my book. If you love cute little dogs, buy my book. If you love hot babes, buy my book. If you're Christian, buy my book. If you're Muslim, buy my book. If you're Buddhist, buy my book. If you don't believe in God, buy the good book. Then buy my book. Many of my missions will never see the light of day, but now with the Super Action Man comic, you can actually see some of it for yourself. Go to your local comic shop and ask them for Sam number one. That's Super Action Man number one. It's in previews on page 332. There's a little spotlight section. I look really sexy as I'm kicking ass against Bin Laden, Kim Jong-il, Muammar Gaddafi, and this idiot Castro down there in Cuba. One down, three to go. That's the way we're going to do it. So support freedom of speech, support Super Action Man, and go out there and order your copy of Super Action Man number one today. Geekscape is welcome to episode 210 of Geekscape. This is your favorite weekly movies, video games, and comic book podcast. I'm Jonathan London over here on your left side, joined by Brian Walton, the off-camera guy with the thumb shark. And every week I like to get a, a guest who is informative about movies, video games, comic book, the whole geek culture. And uh, this week I've got our buddy Javi, who I really don't know how to pronounce his name. You guys saw it at the beginning of the show in the titles. Javi, how do you pronounce your last name? I actually name? don't know either. Uh, that's Get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that. How, how do you... Because I can try it, and it's like... Javier Grillo... It's like, it's like Javier uh, Grillo... It's like Bruce Campbell in Army of Darkness. Like, Klaatu! Klaatu! Necktie! Necktie! I'm not... My, my last name is pronounced Grigio Markswatch. Marks like Carl or Groucho. Uh, watch like the thing. Well, the gr- thing that gr- people used to wear before cell phones. Grivo oh. Marks watch. Not Grivo. Gr- wait, what'd you say? Grido. Grido. I'm Grido. Yes, yeah, I shot first. Javier. Uh, Grijo. Grijo. Marks watch. Marks watch. Yes, sir. Gri- fuck. Grijo. Grijo Marks watch. Yes. Grijo Marks watch. Grijo Marks watch. Oh, Javier. Fuck it's that. Just shit. like it's spelled. 
Javi, have you thought about changing your name at all? Ever? <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, no, my, my, yeah. Javier actually, Grigio no, no. Markwash. As you know, I'm Puerto Rican. Right. right. And that's why, how I got the name. But I, I actually. But, had, but even Ricky Martin took a very American name. I know, no, no, name. For, a, for a while I had a white guy name. Uh, right. I figured if I got famous, I would be Jack Grill. What's wrong with that? Well, well, first of all, it's not my name. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not a white guy. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I, I look pretty white. He doesn't drive a food truck. No, no, no. Look at the Jack Grill. That's my food truck right there. Now, now, Javi, when yes, they sir. when they kicked you out of Menudo, what what, what level of depression you know, you kicked know, in? You know, I'm going to tell you a story about Menudo, and this has nothing to do with Geekscape. I apologize to everybody who's sitting here. And you know what? About comic books. And what them. does? I know. Okay. Okay. So, uh, my cousin was married in uh, in in San Juan about ten years ago. Okay. And, no, actually, uh, 12, 12, 13 years ago. Anyway, um, I go to the wedding. It was it was the most amazing wedding I've ever been to. It was um, it was held at the Ritz Carlton in in El Condado. I mean, it was very swanky. They had about five hundred guests. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know I was a Kennedy. I walked in and I went like, "Wow!" I didn't know I was a Kennedy. Right. You know, uh, they, they they served Vef all night. The dinner was like a it was like a steak and lobster dinner. It was like sure. they had two bands, two Surf rotating and bands. Turf. Yeah, they had two rotating uh-huh. bands. One band would play, they would go on, a, and the other band would come in. The groom, um, you know, around uh, <coughs> 1.30, 2 in the morning, it's a Puerto Rican wedding, so, mm-hmm. uh, gets up on stage and introduces this this film, and this was like, you know, 13 years ago, so before iMovie and all that. Right. This film set to poetry that he'd written about, about my cousin, you know, it was just sort of like images of her, it was projected, I think, in 35, I mean, mm-hmm. very sumptuous affair. So, you know, I was thinking around two in the morning how much bigger can this event get I mean oh, it's, like, it's like we have had lobster we have had steak we've had Vev Cole night we've had two bands and the groom gets up on stage again after he's shown this 35 millimeter film of my cousin and, and says uh, ladies and gentlemen we have one last surprise uh, there is something from my beautiful bride's childhood that, that means the world to her um, and, and, and I have managed to bring it to all of us here ladies and gentlemen Menudo get the fuck out of here he reunited Menudo for the wedding uh, the original lineup, not the Ricky Martin lineup. Right. Uh, they sang about you know five or six songs, and what's interesting is you know at that time they were like basically like twenty eight year old yeah guys you know they all kind of looked like me, me back then right, me right. now I'm forty one now, uh, but they got up they did the whole choreography it was kind of amazing. So there you that's go. intense. Menudo. They were still able to do it. Yeah. How many bridesmaids did they end up with? Oh, that uh, night? with Menudo, I don't think I don't know. They didn't. You know, here's the thing. How I many groomsmen? How many groomsmen <laughs> did Menudo end up with? How, how many Menudos did Menudo end up with? I, uh, I can neither confirm nor... I've never been to Belize. Uh, uh-huh. So anyway, yes. But it was amazing. So I saw Menudo live. Uh, they did not kick me out of... Actually, I, I didn't make the Menudo cut, right. sadly. I was a little bit too chubby and uncoordinated. Uh, now, I'm not going to say that I auditioned, but I might have. I don't know. I'm well, gonna leave that. Well, story. you know that like uh, New Kids on the Block and mm-hmm. uh, and Backstreet Boys are doing like this summer tour together. That's right. And the, the acronym is like is like N K O T B B two B B two B. Yeah, it's like uh, and I mean it's like the acronym is longer than it would be to just actually spell out the names. Right. Yeah. So anyway. Um. Any you gonna bring your cousin to any of that? No, she's happily married, okay. has kids, okay. and all that. She's 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 doing okay. quite well in Puerto Rico. I mean, come on, her husband reunited Menudo for the wedding. They they have a great life. Walton, well, while we're lining up guests, maybe mm-hmm. you can get me somebody from NKO TV. Maybe Donnie or Danny. I worked with I worked with Donnie on Boomtown actually. And what happened with? Oh yeah, Donnie was on Boomtown. Yeah, it was the weird. It was the weirdest thing. I was. He's he's a great actor, and and he's a really intense actor. But you know, I was on the set one day, uh, standing there just you know like uh, producing the episode that that I, that I had written. And, uh, and he introduces me to his buddies who've come, who've come to the set. And he's like, oh, and this is my friend Jordan. I'm like, hey, Jordan, how you doing? Oh, and then shit. About, and then about 15 minutes later, I'm like, oh, my God. That was <laughs> NKOTV Jordan. 
So there you go. So I met Jordan too. Yeah, he didn't say yo 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 yo. No, yo. nothing. It was very mellow. Like, like great hair. Donnie's cool. He had great hair. Uh, Donnie, Donnie's awesome. Cool, amazing, amazing actor. Yeah. And Joe yeah, McIntyre was good on he, Boston Public. Yeah, Boston if, if, Public. If you've, seen, if you've seen Boomtown, you know what a great actor he is. Well, not just that, but the, those opening fifteen or so ten oh, minutes of, 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 of uh, yeah, that Six movie of Sixth Sense. Sense. Yes. yes, incredible, amazing. You know, he yeah. he's Donnie Wahlberg's in a lot of things that I think are quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kill Point was good. Was Kill, Point? Kill Point? No, no, it, was, it wasn't Kill Point. It was I know what you're talking about. It was the movie with Thomas Jane. No, no, there was a uh, it was a, a, a mini series with him and John Leguizamo, and he was a uh, hostage negotiator. Uh huh. Really? Yeah, it was it was very good. It was on uh, FX. I think. Oh yes, yes, I remember this. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was it was quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm glad it was just a limited series, like one off thing. Mm-hmm. They didn't try to stretch it, but he's a really impressive actor. Um, and then you see him on his Twitter, and he gets back into yo yo. yo, yo. <laughs> Does he really? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! I gotta follow that guy on Twitter. He he knows how to keep the party follow going. Follow Donnie Wahlberg on Twitter. If you get nothing else out of this event, follow okay. Donnie Wahlberg. Well, guys, on uh, you may know Javi because he, is, like he said, is a writer on television. He created Middleman, which was on ABC Family. Mm-hmm. He's also uh, been writing on Lost. You you said you wrote on Boomtown. What are some of the shows that you've written on? I remember um, you started out on uh, Sequest. Yes, yeah, Sequest Twenty Thirty Two. Uh-huh. My career in a nutshell. Uh, is uh, it goes Sequest uh, 2032. I worked on the last year of Sequest, and I actually wrote the very last episode of Sequest. Um, you killed Sequest. Yeah, I killed it. I put the nail in that coffin mm-hmm. big time. Uh, then I worked on The Pretender. Okay. Uh, I don't remember. What was that? Pretender. It, it was... First season? That name always threw me. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with the Well, show. there was Pretender and Profiler. Oh, shit. We were on together. They were the Saturday Night Trilogy on NBC. <laughs> Uh, and they could never get the 8 o'clock show. It was Dark Skies for a while. Things served. Uh, but I also wrote a Dark Skies during that time. Uh, Pretender was Michael T. Weiss. He escaped from a facility where he was trained to be the ultimate simulator from, oh, since he was a child. Okay. And he was going around writing the wrong He's like Deathstroke the Terminator? No, not really. He, okay. was, he, was, he was the he was Pretender. Like, he was like the Incredible Hulk. Except- <laughs> yeah, every week he would pretend to be something else. Okay. He, he was the ultimate con man. He was like the catch-me-if-you-can guy, but competent. Okay. Yeah, super competent. Kind of a precursor to uh, the, the USA lineup now. <laughs> okay okay so i did that show then i worked on a show on the wb called three which is both the name of the show and how many times it aired oh um, no ooh, yeah yeah shit that's too bad that's okay okay I, it worked out i got jobs afterward all right <laughs> then i worked on charmed uh for the first two seasons we've heard of it. yeah we like that show yes yes shannon doherty Alyssa milano uh mm-hmm. yes so um and uh, Charmed. Uh, then I worked on a show called The Chronicle, which was on the Sci-Fi Channel. It was the first show created by Silvio Orta, who uh, created Ugly Betty. Uh, well, the, the American version of Ugly right. Betty. But then I also worked on a show with him called Jake 2.0. The Chronicle, in a lot of ways, is sort of a precursor to The Middleman in that it was sort of um, a very absurdist kind of Monster of the Week show. Um, gosh, then Boomtown. Uh, then I did Jake 2.0. Then uh, and then I got lost. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that was kind of a big watershed moment in my career. And then, uh, and then I worked on Medium for two seasons, and then I did The Middleman uh, on ABC Family. So, yeah. Okay. And then I worked on a show called Day One, which uh, sadly did not air. Oh, no. No, it was amazing. We, uh, Jesse Alexander, who was one of the writers of Heroes and Alias and a lot of amazing uh, television and movies, uh, created the show. NBC shot the pilot for... What was the plot? Uh, one day, alien monoliths sprout up from the Earth. Sure, why not? Yeah. That happens. And, uh, and, and how does humanity deal with that? And uh-huh. it was an amazing pilot. Uh, shot by Alex Graves, and uh, you know NBC got taken over by Cable Town. You know, does 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 your perception of reality now get filtered to Thirty Rock? By the way, 
Because no. it was Comcast, actually, but to me, it's, yeah. to me it's, it's Cable Town. It's Cable Town. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were owned by the Scheinberg Wig Company, and then they were bought <laughs> out by Cable Town. And, uh, and we had not gone into production, so they actually cut the show in order to um, sort of balance out the, uh, the, the ledger a little bit. Yeah, I remember cool. that show was, uh, it originally had, like, a, 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 what was it, like a 13-episode order? And yes, got, and then it became six. a miniseries. And, and then, then it got it became, a, then a it became, pilot that never uh, aired. It just became... It just, it, yes. they kept shrinking it down, shrinking yeah. it down. It was called like, Day One? That sounds one. great. No, dude, it was... Advertising no. was up. Yeah. It was getting advertised, it was yeah. getting pushed, and all of a sudden you hear nothing about yeah. it. And then we're left. There was a promo. There was a promo. And the alien monoliths just sprout up from the ground, but the aliens don't show up. No, that was the thing. It said the aliens are coming. They had a very, they had a very specific program of sort of testing the Earth before colonizing it. Right. Um, The pilot is epic. I mean, it's it's so it's such an awesome pilot. I wish it would get shown. Could we see it at like the TV like museum or you know this? I don't think so. The the, the Paley Center. I don't think so. I think it's literally just in some vault at Cable Town. I gotta tell you. Um, I'm sure Jesse has has. Yeah, we we should arrange a screen. We, we gotta watch that. A big thing. Let's get everybody out there and let's 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 set it up for like Comic Con. And, and so like it's so like Easter Island and like uh, in in you know. No, they were massive, you know, all that biomorphic stuff. sort of okay. uh, twisted kind of like you know. It wasn't like Easter Island. It was oh. just like eh, eh no. we're not ready. So it was like mm-hmm. Onslaught Tower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can do Onslaught Tower. <laughs> they sort of came out everywhere in the world. I mean, it was uh-huh. like, so it was. And uh, the show had a great element of sort of, there was going to be a great online element where people from around the world could actually get on the internet and interact with each other and sort of I've got a mon- I got RPG. a monolith in my pants. Yeah, like exactly. that kind of stuff. Like, exactly like that. That's what I would write. Is that, that's how Donnie Wahlberg that, would that is that, that is how yeah. dumbing, I, I take things that sound like smart mm-hmm. concepts and I'm like, okay, how would that be completely stupid in any way? <laughs> no, and, that, and that's how I write. I always want to ask him, are there titties in day one? Yeah, yeah, this day one, do you think that, Perhaps the lack of titties uh, led to the cancellation. Um. I, 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 Geekscape exclusive. Really? Yeah. Uh, did, did the well, lack is, this, is, this, is this a running gag that I'm unaware of? Yeah. Is this, is the, the, I no. am the running gag. Okay, Bobby. I see. Got it. I okay. am the running okay. gag. Right. Uh, I am the <laughs> for, for the I'm audience, everywhere. for the audience, here, here's the thing. Uh, we, we went to uh, this press event. Uh, it was like a little uh, oh, press invitation. Spider-Man, they have this new game coming out from Activision. Yeah. Yet another Spider-Man game that looks like the last five Spider-Man games. And they invited <laughs> us to, they invited us to their like. Wow, bang! Wow. Geekscape, just... Geekscape keeps it real. Drive-by. Geekscape yeah. keeps it real. Okay. And so Activision invited us to this. Uh, hey, come check out our new game that we just announced. And we go up there, and before the dude starts his presentation, I go, wait, wait. wait. To, to the creative director. Yeah. Of the game. <laughs> because I. Because because I care, uh, Geekscape, you guys know I don't pull the punches. I I, I say, uh, whoa whoa! Before you get started, as a journalist, I need to know uh, first off the most important question I could possibly ask: Their titties up in this? <laughs> you got wow! You, you got you got uh, titties in this game? The honest uh-huh. reaction. My 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 my, uh, my audience needs to know this. You got titties in this? I wish I could show my face. To, the honest reaction would be: He's like. No, <laughs> there are no. So, guys, that uh, upcoming Spider-Man game you've been hearing about this time jump. What is it called? Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man, Wacky something. Time. It's Spider-Man 2099, the game essentially, based on the 2099 guys, anniversary. Yeah. Wow. Remember this. It ain't got no titties. All right. All just, right. just remember. Now, that. speaking of titties, let's let's actually keep it. Yeah. Uh, keep on on topic here, because I know that there was actually. I mean, we what, else geeks, nice what else do geeks about me, care but, about? Yeah. Um, Thor. Now Thor, I got to tell you guys, Thor, because, because Thor was what we all wanted to see this weekend. Yeah, because because this was going to be like I was going to come in having seen Thor. Yeah. And I was going to. 
talk to you about what, the did you get kidnapped like what happened no i know I, it, was, it was horrible get kidnapped. No, yeah i did a little bit yeah actually um but uh but let's not talk about that because there's still a, a there's a gag order on the whole thing okay um so instead of me talking <laughs> about thor i want to talk to you about thor i want to interview okay. you about thor okay. If that's okay l- l- let me set it up all right uh guys this weekend was the movie release that you guys have been waiting for all you all you comic nerds have been waiting for this one thor right you've been all looking right. forward to it i can't believe you haven't seen thor yet walton I went to Unique LA yesterday. What is Unique LA? Yeah, what's a Unique LA? What kept you from Thor? Unique LA is actually a very cool event. It happens twice a year. Uh, it was in the fashion district downtown. Mm-hmm. It's where all oh, it's the Etsy handmade <laughs> artisan yeah. thing. Yeah, did, yeah. You, did you get a potholder? What, uh, what are you, yeah. a woman? You didn't go see Thor? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What the hell? I'm sorry, I don't mean to unload the abuse on you, but really, you went to some Etsy handcraft? He, he, they listen. Had, they had free gin. Who'd you, wow. go, who'd you go to this with? I went with Heidi. She's got an urban folk art show. So listen. So she was Heidi, cards you, you and Brian, why didn't you guys go to Thor? All right? Yeah. You guys I are writers on Geekscape. You don't go to Thor. Like, I think your priorities are all out of whack. You know, that uh, is all about, I'm saying. About Thor, when, when, whenever I, I drive by around the city and I see these billboards with this just beautiful, blonde, Chris Helmsworth, man, yes. And, and, and it's just him, and it says the God of Thunder. I, I wonder if I'm if I'm driving in front of the Tomcat Theater. <laughs> doesn't it? It's vaguely. It, the, uh, the, I mean, the movie's probably fantastic. The you know, Thunder I, from I, Down I, Under. Yeah, something Do you like that. Yeah, no, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, yeah, Australian. Yeah. He's chasing yeah. his hammer. Very, very, uh, very, uh, very, very um, uh, waxed. Is, those guys. Is, yes. He is Australian, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, I mean, I, there's I, a, there is a vague kind of homoerotic quality to this this this. His face and the words. Anytime Natalie Portman is a love interest, there's a vague homoerotic. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I'm just saying the guys in whenever there's a movie mm-hmm. where the love interest is Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. look at the guys. Ignore that they're like dating Natalie mm-hmm. Portman. Right. It, the guys give off the most effeminate gay qualities. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Think, you think she brings out a kind of homoerotic <laughs> quality? Uh, I, I no. Watch, watch Garden State again. Watch. Oh come on. That's, that's, Attached. You, you're, watch you're, all these movies you're, where she's. I don't think. What are you talking about? The, the guys are pretty, but they're they're actors in Hollywood. I don't think they're. What about Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> says the dude is gay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I mean, listen. The these, are inter- these are interesting questions. Uh, but listen, Thor. listen, guys. Uh, of all, I like that the guest is keeping it on track. Of, of, of all the the Marvel films, Thor seemed to be the one that's like, okay, how is this going to translate with yeah. the, with the Asgardian stuff, with the with the Donald Blake on Earth stuff? How is this going to translate to the screen? Because it seemed. Like, uh, we've already got this Iron Man. We've already got uh, what Marvel Studios has established through mm-hmm. Paramount. Right. We've got this very science or tech-based, mm-hmm. how are we going to work magic into yeah, it? Yeah, this is magic right? and, and uh, parallel dimensions, things like that. The, the first way you start seeing that they've hired the guy who's going to make it work is when they hired Kenneth Branagh, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of this movie has to do with Thor and his brother Loki and their father, mm-hmm. Uh, Odin, played by Anthony Hopkins, and really, the, I think the best. Now he has like a gold potato chip on his face. And right? you see early on, there's kind of like, like a, a Pringle. Lord, there's kind of like yeah. a Lord of the Rings back uh, the earth, you know, back when the earth was young and people believed in gods. Mm. You know, remember the beginning of Lord of the Rings? It yeah, set yeah, up no, like the whole know, thing. You know, it's, it's You've got a little bit of that, no, no, and no, you I, see I, the history yeah. of the Asgardians versus mm-hmm. the ice giants mm-hmm. and frost giants. the frost giants, and you see. I that, haven't even seen this film. You see that they're from two different... Well, I'm giving you the beginning. You no, see, no, what I'm saying is I haven't seen it, and I know the people in the film better than you do. You're like Ice Well, the Frost Giants. Frost Giants. Okay, come on. Uh, you get these two separate worlds, right? right. And you, that already establishes that they're going kind of more science-based than, mm-hmm. than magic-based. Because it's dimensions. It's, it's dimensions. dimensions, yes. The okay. Asgardians live on Asgard, and it's a, this world that they use the Rainbow Bridge to go and infiltrate the 
Frost Giants' world. No, I know. To keep I know that the Rainbow Bridge is a, is a mythological concept right. uh, from from uh, Norse mythology. Right. But am I the only one who, when you say Rainbow Bridge, I think of Pet Death? I think of uh, you know, because, I think of Mario Kart. I think of Mario Kart Bright. Rainbow Bright. Okay. Okay, that says a lot. No, 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 look, I mean... With the badass... uh, Did anybody see that movie with the badass uh, robot unicorn? Were you... When were you a child? Badass robot unicorn? I was a male male child, and keep in mind, you were just calling half of male Hollywood effeminate, and then you Uh burst out with this rainbow bright bullshit. I didn't say I wasn't effeminate. How was your your arts and crafts fair yesterday? It was great. It's like... Okay. Okay. Later, later on, are you going to show us your my buddy doll? Is that what's going to happen here? I mean, hey, that was my only friend. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> anyway, uh, so anyway, ice frost giants. They got the, it, yeah. so they established that stuff. Uh-huh. The first twenty minutes of the movie mm-hmm. are a bit awkward because you have the earth that you start with, and then you have to balance it with this whole what? mystical. The first few minutes like, are a bit awkward, socially maladjusted. They don't talk well with others. It's sort of they're awkwardly you know, balanced. You, you okay. feel like uh, Kenneth Branagh. Maybe doing some of the action, some of the setting up, mm. a little bit beyond his abilities. Uh-huh. Some of the shots are awkward. Some of the th- stuff has mm. been edited down a little awkwardly, right. like conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got to force all that information into a very tight. Get it, get it in. Yeah, there. I mean, they got to get it in the first twenty minutes. They have one of those things that you get at the espresso shop, where they, you know, sort of tamp down the inform, like the espresso. You know, like you got to get it in really tight, so you got to put the information in with one of those espresso things. I didn't see it, but it did feel. I so it, 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 it okay. did feel a bit forced. <laughs> okay. um, you're gonna get through the. You're my, gonna watch my, those first My goal, by the way, is to, is, is to prevent you from reviewing Thor. What I liked. What I liked is like I'm gonna inter- I'm gonna I'm gonna present you about Thor, and I get two minutes. In. I get like I, know, I, 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 I maybe say no, like no. a minute. It is it is a hobby <laughs> stream of consciousness time. You're you're so fucked right now. You have no idea. No, it's fine. I, it's fine. I, I can say nothing entertaining about oh, this. Film. We we can book a, uh, another guest to be here later in the day okay. and just redo the show. <laughs> this, 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 you, you so have Ahmed Be- you have Ahmed Best on speed you, you, dial don't you you're like you no seriously I got here and they're like well you know we've had uh, we've had uh, uh, this person and that Hobby. person and Ahmed Best and I'm like fuck Javi as a writer yes. you, you forget um the director and the editor still hold the power. Oh, that's true. That's so, true. That's true. No, I know this. This is as, as a writer, you can spew your yeah. you can spew your words all you true. want. That is true. But. Yeah, no, it's it, this there's is no be, guarantee yeah, no, they no, end no, up no on the screen. Any of this is going to be on screen. For all I know, when this shows up, it's going to be like like Jonathan London. It'll be himself, two seconds. I'll be like, Thor, Ice Giants, <laughs> not, not Frost Giants, Thor, Ice Giants, good fun. Will you keep cutting back to, to shots of me being all in, in reaction? Like, hmm, what insightful, London. what an insightful conversation. <laughs> wow, okay. that guy had some insight. He's uh, good. Okay. Uh, I don't even know where to go from here. Did you like the movie? Was it good? The, the movie's great. Is it? The movie's great. You're gonna okay. you're gonna watch those first twenty minutes. You're gonna be like, okay, this is a little fast. This is a little weird. But the movie finds its pace as soon as Thor gets cast out of Asgard and thrown mm-hmm. to Earth. And now he's got to figure out how to be. He's got to figure out humility. He's got to figure out how right. to be a king, right. which is what Odin wants from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he meets Natalie Portman and St- uh, Stellan Skarsgård's mm-hmm. characters, who are sort of storm chasers. What they're really chasing as astrophysicists is Aurora Borealis, which is our evidence. Mm-hmm. Of wormholes. Stellan Skarsgård from Breaking the Waves. Stellan Skarsgård. No, I mean from Ronan from Breaking the Waves. So, he was yeah. from. Uh, it, it, remember um, him in um, Goodwill Hunting? Yeah, of course. Like he, he won the Fields Medal. He's got to be talking. Yeah, he, I won the Fields Medal. About the same Stellan Skarsgård. Same no, Stellan Skarsgård. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, the, all the standard Stellan Skarsgård rules apply in this podcast. They, they, have, they, they have to cast him because right. he's the guy who goes. What he's saying is crazy. These are stories I heard as a child. 
They have to cast oh, they have a, to they get have a to Swedish get, guy. They have to get, they have to get a Swedish Scandinavian guy, right? guy so you can say, So you can know, be like, what he's talking about is crazy with this. Rainbow Bridge in Asgard. These are stories they told to me as a, as a child. But we all Rainbow know... Rainbow Bridge is what they tell you when you're We all know from Iron Man 2... You, when, have you had a pet die? Yeah. The Rainbow yes, Bridge is where your dogs go. they tell you a pet has crossed the Rainbow Bridge, man. No, my parents were, were Christian. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, your oh, dogs man. are waiting. Oh, oh, no, dogs are waiting. So instead of Thor, your comic book was like Peter. You know? Yeah, <laughs> your comic book is uh, David and Goliath. Yeah. It's like no, okay, instead no, of instead I was of Spider Man. Chick tracks a lot as a kid. No shit, really. Tic Tacs. Jack Chick tracks, really. Yes. Oh, you poor what man. What is that? They're oh my god, they're they're awesome. They're like the best comics ever. They're like they're like Christian fundamentalist comic books, and they're all about the wages. I've heard enough of that shit. No, no, dude, it's, it is amazing. It's like literally like like they're the kind of books where like the rock band, and then the agent makes them big, and then he gets them hooked on drugs, and then he whips off his his, his head, and he's Satan, and he's like, ha ha, I tricked you. It's basically. Like Equivalent of those James Gunn videos in Super. Have you seen Super? No. Yeah. Super's great. Yeah, it, they James are. Gunn does these little uh, Christian. Well, he does the, he does these Christian um, TV yeah. shows, yeah. and uh, yeah, they, they're like morality tales. All right. So they had to hire a Swedish guy to give cred to the legend of Thor. In all honesty, you uh-huh. see the the best part of the movie, guys. The part that's going to keep you guys really invested in the best written stuff in any of the Marvel movies uh-huh. is uh, Tom Huddleston as Loki. This guy, I Kenneth Branagh, he's, amazing. Everybody he's, says he's amazing, phenomenal. Yeah. He's one of those villains, you know in the Marvel movies where basically the, the Marvel movies end when the, the hero fights another version of himself? If it's Iron Man, it's just another guy in armor. If yeah. it's Spider-Man, it's just another dude jumping around. Mm-hmm. Loki is a fantastic villain because he's not completely aware that what he's doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. He is going for his father's love. He is trying to be mischievous with his brother mm-hmm. and playful with his brother, but Thor's headstrong. So when you so when you tell Thor, why is father why does father have peace with the frost giants? This is silly. We should invade them and see wh- see whether or not they're they're scared of us. And Thor goes, that's a great idea, <laughs> causing all these problems. Loki didn't mean for that to lead to war. Loki didn't mean for that to have his brother cast out of of Asgard. He continues to eat with his eyes, and before you know it, he's the villain in charge of all these fo- things falling into place. Uh, Forces his father to fall into the Odin sleep, and with Thor in at Earth, in, in, you know, on Earth, mm-hmm. he has to assume the role of king. So now Loki is in charge of Asgard. That's the first opening thirty minutes of the movie. The movie's two hours and ten minutes long. Uh, of course, you've got Thor trying to get back to Asgard to keep uh, Loki from completely ruining it. The last twenty minutes of the movie are probably the best thing you've seen in a Marvel movie to date. Really, it's. Uh, With that guy in armor? Uh, like, that's the destroyer. Going all General Zod that, that, on a small yeah, that, that, that's the destroyer. Mm-hmm. That stuff is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, it, it, when when you see the Thor versus Loki stuff and all these themes that you've been working mm-hmm. through the entire movie, when they finally come to play and you have brother versus brother with the father, you know, mm-hmm. in his Odin sleep slash deathbed, uh, and Thor realizes the betrayal that's mm-hmm. happened, and Loki realizes that he's gone too far to come back. It's awful, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's it really like, heavy. It sounds more like like psycho, it sounds more like psychotherapy than that. Is why you know? Branagh was so great mm-hmm. as a director because uh-huh. he put so much Shakespearean stuff into mm-hmm. this that it feels heavy. Mm-hmm. It feels heady. Yet you're sitting in a theater where there are kids dressed as Thor enjoying every minute about it. Mm. It's accessible. Uh-huh. Cool. Th- this this was a, such a well done movie. At the end of it, uh, so by so at this point, this is your favorite Marvel movie. 
Spider-Man 2 still hangs out there. Really? Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. I mean, that sequence on the train, on oh, the subway train, that. that's is actually, That's actually probably my favorite thing in a Marvel movie because... Phenomenal. Because to me, that really encapsulated the essence of, of that character. Like, when everybody carries him out and like, oh my God, he's just a kid. <laughs> well, that, and, and I'm not a fan of those movies well, at all. Well, but not just that, you, like, but Spider-Man... That sequence, like, when that sequence is over and, and the people finally acknowledge him, I, I, I got a little misty. I'm not going to lie to you. Metaphorically, mm-hmm. this man being stretched among all these mm-hmm. different yes. things in that scene yes, it, to the breaking point yeah. is Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, the last... I, I, I can't really speak about it without ruining it for the Geekscape. Ruining it for the Geekscape. You guys. guys, we're going to ruin Thor. I, 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 I won't do it, Javi. I really won't. No, but, no, I beg you. But, but the, the ending of the fight between uh, Thor and Loki, you guys are going to go. Now, let me, but let me ask you a question. Now, now, this Hiddleston guy, right? Yeah. I think it's Hiddleston. He found Hiddleston. him out of the British Shakespearean Theater. Yeah, but, he, but here, yeah. here's the question about this. Because now I've seen the, the promos, I've seen the trailers, and I've also heard that, you know, like... Like Chris Hemsworth got so buff for this film that he was like like Schwarzenegger, fantastic. Like, like where he couldn't actually put his sword because his biceps were so big. Like in, females when, will gasp when Schwarzenegger when did Conan. Yeah. He was like so buff he couldn't like he was so big he couldn't put his sword in the. In the he actually had to stop working out so that he could actually do the sword stick right. Right. Because his biceps got in the way. Now apparently Hemsworth had the same problem right. Now the guy playing Loki looks like he's fairly slight of build. He's right? Paul Rubens. Looking. So yeah. So here's the thing. Like for example, when I saw Quantum of Solace, right? And I know this may seem like a digression, but no, just I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like like I'm like, oh, this is great. I now know that Daniel Craig can beat the shit out of the guy from the diving bell and the butterfly, mm. right? So you know, like, oh wow, that that's what a challenge for James Bond, right? So now Hemsworth versus Huddleston. I mean, Huddleston, as you said, looks like Paul Rubens, right? Is that credible? I mean, like these guys slugging it out there, because I mean, Branna and the script, which I, the script mm. was great. J. Michael Straczynski. Look for his Ashley, cameo. Uh, uh, He's he got a, and, a hand. And Zach and Ashley are some, you know, amazing writers, too. Some so. guys. I mean, this this script has done so well mm-hmm. at this point that when Thor is fighting Loki, you mm-hmm. realize that his love for his brother... Mm-hmm. Is why is he's not going all out. You, uh, is evening the fight. Yes. Meanwhile, Loki has gone it's too far. It's actually the same reason why I'm holding back on you right now on this podcast. I mean, I'm, you know. No, it's because of the editing. Oh, it's, it's, the editing. It's, okay. it's my it's my my looming threat. Oh, no, I thought it was my love. My, lo- my brother was keeping <laughs> me from just unloading. I, I love it when you try to convince people you actually edit. <laughs> it's like no, no, my looming threat. Please trust me. It is um, only my love of my brother that's holding the, the, me back. The, the, the way podcast, the way right? Thor ultimately defeats Loki. Mm-hmm. Right. is hilarious. You guys will love it. But it's only hilarious because it's so ingenious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. And note perfect for this kind of fight. Wait, he defeats him? God, why would They're you? Right, right. Yeah. Enjoy it's like that. A, it's like a Enjoy Mr. Mitzelplick. Uh, uh, Mr. Mitzelplick. How is he the main bad guy in the He goes, he goes, uh, he goes you gotta oh, see it. oh, fuck. And he vanishes in a puff it. of logic. Okay, okay, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Um, guys, okay. another... What, what, while, we're, while, we're t- while we're talking about Northern Smart. European Swedes, yeah. can, Swedes. I, can I briefly tell you guys about a movie that came out on On Demand, I think this weekend, or video on demand? Do uh, tell us about this film, On Demand. The Troll Hunter? This is the third time you've talked about it. I've not just talked about the The Troll Hunter. I talked about it on Twitter and Facebook, and just because you cyberstalked me doesn't mean I've talked about it at length on Wait the Wait a minute, you're cyberstalking him too? I thought you were cyberstalking me. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I, he has a job. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, never mind. He uh, has a job, which means I hang out on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Guys, The Troll Hunter. The Troll Hunter is this movie that we first reviewed at Sundance, and it's sort of a Cloverfield, real camera-esque film, mm-hmm. but instead of a monster down in downtown Manhattan, it's a bunch of college kids doing a documentary in Sweden, uh, <laughs> Or Norway, are they one Swedish of those places. Or they are. Okay, good. It, no, it was, it was made by it was made, made by Norwegians. Nordic. It was made by Nordic, Nordic individuals. Yeah. Can I say something about watching Swedish yeah. films for a second? I, I, I know that I'm interrupting you, but I feel like 
As your guest, I need to get a word in somewhere. Um, so I'm watching. Uh, you had no qual. You had no problems, sir. No, okay, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's my love of you that's keeping me from unloading fully. <laughs> it's actually made this show more entertaining. <laughs> my my love of fine. it, really. You're going fine. Okay, anyway. Um, so you know, I'm watching uh, the girl who I don't know what what are those movies? Uh, like? Dragon the tattoo. Dragon tattoo. tattoo. Hornets, yeah. The girl who right. killed the hornet's nest. The girl who you know made flapjacks in her in her whatever. The girl who did something. Yeah, the girl that's who did something. That's so I'm watching of... that film, and you know they have it's, they're very serious, solemn films, you know. But every time the main character opens his mouth, I imagine the subtitles from the opening sequence in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> like I totally, he goes like you know he goes like. He's like, he's like, Lisbeth Salander, my high for You know, and I imagine going, moose bites can be very nasty. I mean, totally. Did you get that sense watching The Troll Hunter? Did you expect, you know, uh, a, moot bit, a moose bit my sister once, things like that? Was it... let, let me tell you why right. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let me tell you why I didn't. Okay. Because the, the movie is these college kids with running around with cameras mm-hmm. making a documentary for the college. And they start following uh, a bunch of bear Hunters, like, like, they, they, like, there's killings, and they're like, okay, there's a bear poaching problem. You realize, you realize, it's not a bear poaching problem. There's actually a fucking troll problem. And they, there's a, there's a bear poacher that people don't like. And as they follow him, you start to realize the bear bodies have been placed there. They're like, they're like, these tracks don't match up. You realize the bears have been placed there to cover up for the to cover up for the fact that they're actual trolls. And the reason I didn't think of of uh, the opening of Monty Python or any jokes that I make about subtitles, the movie has a huge sense of humor about it. Oh really? It totally knows what it is. It's the kind of stuff that Cloverfield I feel I feel needed. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this movie is fun. Mm -hmm. I think if you guys watch it on VOD, you guys are going to enjoy it. It's just these three college kids like pestering a troll hunter until he goes. Okay, I'll tell you the truth. Trolls exist. I know you guys don't believe me. I'm going to bring you along with me. And you get into all the details on how this cover-up happened. You know, you realize... And because, and because yeah. they're Swedes, it's credible. Because, because yeah. you've got to bring in Swedish people well, to there's make, a, there's make an American, credible. There's an Americanized version already that's oh, really? going to be put together. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro optioned this movie to be made. But I don't know how it's going to work. I was actually doing a call back because, to you saying that Stellan Skarsgård had to be in... in, in well, they should too. get Stellan Skarsgård for the Americanized okay. version. Okay. But uh, he could he would play a great troll hunter. Mm-hmm. But the fact that and we, he would make it credible because he's Swedish. And the fact Swedish that we don't know is what we're saying, right? the fact that we don't know any of these actors okay, is why it, is why it works. Right. You know what I mean? The, really? the fact that we don't know any of these actors mm-hmm. is why we we're like, okay, we're following along. Did that work for you because you had seen Lizzie Kaplan in True Blood and you know who she was? The reason you guys know why why well, that True movie didn't work later. for me. Yeah, freaks and geeks. You guys you guys know why that didn't work for me. That, that didn't work for me because. The more that character loses, mm-hmm. he continues to go on with the fucking camera. And mm-hmm. I'm like, really? You've just lost six of your friends, uh-huh. and you're still pursuing a chick you weren't even going out with. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And you're trying to make this realistic. No human being in their right mind that would was- be doing this. And if you and if you are still doing this, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch you doing it. And then there's this action sequence. Remember the action sequence? That I, I haven't seen Clover. Oh, there's an action sequence where the mm-hmm. Marines are like shooting at this thing and little monsters are hopping off of it oh, and, it, and it, taking it them like, out. It has like monster lice. Yeah, yeah it's got these the little monster, monster lice. And, yeah, yeah. and then they're like, holy shit, let's run into the subway. Mm-hmm. The monster lice chase them into the subway and they successfully knock them off with shoes. I'm like, well, oh, you didn't see the AK-47s and the fucking bazookas mm-hmm. not working against these things, but, yeah, but shoes, shoes work. work. Yeah, yeah. Way to make a realistic horror movie. This is silly. 
You understand why that wouldn't I, work? I, I I haven't seen it. I I, I can only. But you say understand that, why that no, wouldn't I, work? I can see right? that. Yes. But they do something special with the shoes. So they load them up with C four. I would like to know that. Shoe bombs. I would like to know that. They were like, hit it with a shoe. I'm like, you can't even see the fucking things. You're in a subway. There. You're you're wait. So you go to see a giant monster movie, and you're oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, Brian, but. Well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, no, but but there has to be weapon consistency in the film. If you can't k- kill something you know, with an M16 it, I mean, assault rifle, you shouldn't be able to kill it with shoes. Just just you know? because it's a monster movie doesn't mean I have to be a fucking retard. It did unfortunately remind me too much of the Americanized Godzilla. It was it, it, it was, was silly. Exact same movie. It's just handheld cameras. The, you know, you know, the you Troll know, Hunter, I think speaking, you guys will enjoy because it deals with some funny factual stuff. Like this is why we set up uh, power lines in the middle of nowhere. It's actual fencing. You know, this is you know they have this is why sheep just suddenly dis- it's got some funny actual okay. factual. And, 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 and apropos of your okay. comment about watching you know like like Cloverfield and Godzilla and all that, have you guys seen a movie called Skyline? Oh, of course. Okay, Skyline yeah. is like Independence Day is happening outside, but you're yeah. stuck in a room with the cast of the Jersey Shore. <laughs> exactly. It's like, exactly. You know, I was watching this movie going, I would rather be outside where Independence Day is happening rather than being yeah. inside watching Independence Day through the window with the cast of the Jersey Shore. I'll t- I'll tell what you, the hell was that? I'll tell you why I enjoyed Skyline. You enjoyed Skyline? I'll tell you why. I think it enjoyed you, my friend. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> That's what I'll, I'm saying. I'll, t- I'll tell you why I enjoyed it. I'll tell you why it enjoyed me as well. Right. I was like... <laughs> It was totally a sci-fi fucking made-for-TV movie. Yes, it was. Indeed. With a bigger effects budget. Indeed. And and it was a movie that allowed me to leave my brain at the door. And just kind of go, huh, okay. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Now, did you see Battle L.A.? Oh, oh you mean the, 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 the movie that happens that was parallel? Happening outside, yeah, that was happening that happens parallel? Yes, I yeah. did. I did. Well, did you notice how basically Michelle Rodriguez in that film was playing a character named Michelle Rodriguez? Like, literally, she, <laughs> I mean, she, it's like... She, like she, well, she did the same thing in... In Avatar. I well, mean, well, you, just, you had to write Michelle Rodriguez in, 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 in Lost. Lost. Yes, I, I did actually write for her. But she was, I mean, I thought in Lost she was her own character right. and all that. But it's like, I feel like people cast her as herself in these right. movies. Because she's, always, she's, a cho- like she's always a chopper pilot. And she's nothing like that. Uh, as far as I can yeah. tell. I only met her like once or twice. We talked about Puerto Rican food. Uh, these dumplings made of cassava. We had a long uh, discussion about I, that. I got to that's my her. Michelle Rodriguez experience. But she was DJing at that kamikaze party. That's right. Yeah. She was, yes. And I got to meet her, and she was a sweetheart. She no, was a sweetheart. Very nice. And I think why, don't, a, why don't they write her some romantic? Th- that's shit. what I'm saying. Like, actually, give Michelle Rodriguez something to do because literally, when in in in, in Battle L.A. When she takes off the helmet, like, I expected Thomas Jane to go, it's Michelle Rodriguez! Right. <laughs> you know? It's Thomas Jane. It wasn't Thomas, it was Aaron Eckert. <laughs> but, but Aaron we, Eckert, Thomas Jane. Jane. But we, hey, we get that. We get that. Didn't you love Aaron Eckert in The Punisher? Wasn't he so good? <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're confusing. That is, that, is a, that, is not, that is not a mistake that you can fault me for yeah, on no, a Sunday no. morning. Come yeah, on. No, no, you, you're, you're, is it hot in this room or no, what? No, no, it's like really you're, hot in you're, here. you're confusing. Thomas Jane's the guy who sits at home and goes, I could have played Harvey Dent. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's how yes, you tell. It, that's not, how you tell them my apart. Favorite thing, that's how you no, tell but them the apart. The thing, the thing about Battle L.A. was that was that almost it was almost like everybody knew it was a comedy except for Aaron Eckhart. You know? Oh, it, the movie he, was because all, he was hilarious. acting his ass off. I mean, this guy gives. That, that's a, the thing that made me kind of sad about that movie is that here's a guy who's getting his shot at being an action star in, a, in, in an action film. And he's going for it, and he is amazing in that. Yeah. movie. I mean, he gives an incredible performance, and his dialogue. His dialogue was straight out of Airplane. I mean, they gave him Leslie Nielsen's dialogue. And there's literally a scene, a scene where he gives a speech where he's like, I remember the names of all the men who died that day, you know. Uh, Stephen Smith and, and Jonathan this and that. He and proves to and the people that and he, then he cares. And then he recites their, their serial numbers and their rank and their names and how they died and all that. And it's about a five-minute speech. And then he goes, but that's not important right now. And I'm like, 
It's, it's such a Leslie you, you Nielsen just, line. You just made it yeah, important, you dickhead. You just spent five minutes telling me about the men who died, and then you're like, that's not important right now. Anyway, so <laughs> What's important the, is getting these civilians out here. Who are letting out here in the cold, and they're dying. Yes. And, and, by, and by the way, okay, so aliens invade L.A., and like, the, there's only five people left in Los Angeles. Like, where did the people go? The generals said they were like, L.A. has like 25 million people in it. If aliens invaded, there'd be corpses everywhere, right? And certainly there would be cars stopping you from getting from Santa Anywhere. Monica to downtown. Anywhere. You know, which they do in about five minutes in that film. Yeah, if five o'clock traffic is going to mm-hmm. put cars on the street to where it takes you 20 minutes to go two yeah. blocks, an alien fucking invasion yeah, is hello. going to gonna be paralyze it. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's yes. the L.A. effect. Every show does it. Every right. movie does it. If you're mm-hmm. in L.A., oh, I didn't know Santa Monica was right next to Hollywood. Oh, I didn't know Pasadena was right next to Venice. It, it, but that was a movie that you could laugh through. They absolutely laughed through. I cried through it, but okay. Sky, Skyline, you could laugh through. <laughs> no, I wept through both of them pretty much. Uh, why, why do you care? Also, why, why do you chewed, care so much? Also chewed my bits of my arm off trying to. Why escape. do you care so much about what? Why not just get up and leave the theater? Why do you care so you much? You can do that. Yes, you can. Oh, wow! Really, wow. I mean, you just blew I mean, my mind. My if, life if, 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 if the money is already a loss, if you're like, I, you I know, mean, I have in, what in the last in the last ten years, I have only walked out of one movie. Okay, well, let's find the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Literally. I didn't even see the monkey part, which apparently was the most rep- like when 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 uh, Shia when when, uh, when Shia was sword fighting against Rosa Klebb on those ah, amphibious you gave vehicles. Him a migraine. I literally walked out of. The- I literally got up and apparently, apparently I'm a very verbal guy at films because apparently I threw up my hands and yelled, "Who the fuck cares?" <laughs> and I walked out. And yeah, so there you go. I'm sorry, are you okay? You're right there. Chief. Yeah, that movie. Yeah, know, that, that movie. movie. Hurt, I know. Man. It's all good. We'll get through this together, guys. It's gonna it's gonna be good. Geekscape. We give a shit. <laughs> we give a shit. Dude, yeah. how can you pay fifteen bucks for a movie and not and walk out? I, I mean, uh, yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. I like agree with Skyline, you. Like Skyline, I was with waiting you. for that. No, no, also, I agree with you completely. Also, I'm gonna blame uh, my friends over at Io9 for making me sit through Skyline because they, they printed a re- no, they printed raving. a review of it and they said it has like the last two seconds of this film have the most amazing twist that that makes the entire thing yeah, worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's it, not it, true. No, they so rickrolled me. It was like horrible. I, I got rickrolled on Skyline. Sometimes I think Io9 specifically rickrolls people. It's not true. Sh- yeah, the, the ending was cute, but... The ending, it made no goddamn sense. It was fine. It made no sense. Alien, here's, I, I, I love, and I've seen this trope played out in a bunch of movies where like aliens come to Earth uh, to eat our brains, basically. Right. Like, if you have a a, 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 a a culture that can do light speed, that can, like, appear on Earth... <laughs> why do they can, need Why do you need brains? I got you. Well, I mean, like, it's just... It's it's a slushy crap. I mean, it's like, what, what do you need people? Like, maybe, oh, we need may, people to drive maybe, our ships, really? Maybe Earth is there... Maybe it was, a, like, a Taco Bell stop for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like they, they're much more genius, uh, better things right. they can eat somewhere else totally. in the universe. But Earth is like, but they were like those human brains. Dude, El Yamador. Yeah, the aliens were like, like, dude, I think tonight's an Earth night. Yeah, wow. We're so fucked. And that was just the high aliens. Those are just the aliens who are high. <laughs> we, we, there, if, if, you, if you think of the aliens as having been high, their plan makes a lot more yeah. sense, both in that film totally. and Battle L.A. Absolutely. Dude, I, I kind of got munchies. Yeah. That's why in Battle L.A. they, they put one weak spot. Right in the middle of the fucking city. What is it with aliens having a central control unit that you can just knock out with an RPG and that's the end of their whole freaking invasion, huh? These aliens can build more alien vessels out of our cars and shit to like kill us, and then they have like a they have a tower with literally like a like a like a like a A target on it. Yeah, totally. It's like a Comcast radio. It looked like a Comcast radio. Totally did, and you knock that out, and boom, the invasion is over. What is that about? Amen. You know, at least the Trade Federation lesson after after Attack of the Clones in Attack of the Clones, you know. Like you could no longer just knock out the central ship. It's like the only thing that the only thing 
in the Star Wars prequels that I respect is that the Trade Federation stopped having a central control ship after the first movie. You know? <laughs> We're going, you know, did you see those movies multiple times? Dude, dude, I... Did you not read his essay? On yeah, that did, did you read my yeah. essay, A Year Without, my oh, year without Star Wars? Dude, yeah. I have... I Let me read this. could not despise those films more, and I've probably I only seen gave Revenge them of the each Sith. one screening. No, I've seen Revenge of the Sith like 47 times. How? Well, you know, they have these things called DVDs. You put them in a box. No, 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 no. Without being glib, like, what mentally is wrong? Dude, like, uh, no, I don't know. What, uh, that, this is why I had to go cold turkey, and, and, and I'm still. I have not seen a Star Wars f- film in over two f- years now. Why would you watch that shit? Because. because I thought I was in a bad mood or like I just didn't get it the first 46 times or something. <laughs> like, like literally there was a disconnect in my mind. I could not understand how those films could not be good because... What are you running because from? Because when I was seven... Yeah, okay, well, this is what we're getting no, to because when you were seven... No, when I was seven, I was in a multiplex and like I decided that I had to like leave Puerto Rico, you know, and become a filmmaker and go to the same school George Lucas did so I could do that, okay? Right. so understandable. And, you know, I was fine with the Ewoks, all whatever. Then Phantom Menace comes out, and I'm, I'm 28 years old when that movie came out. I'm a man in full. I've been working, I've been entertaining America. I've been working in American Network Television for, for five years already. This film comes out, and it's excreable, and there's just, and, and, and I don't understand. So I go see it like, you know, eight or nine times in the theater, thinking I must have missed something. Maybe I was drunk when I saw it or something, and it keeps not getting any better. So then I bought the the uh, I bought the Japanese laserdisc because oh, they didn't have a laserdisc in the United States and I, I and I I bought the the letterbox VHS and the special edition box because but but I figured maybe if I get the laserdisc and I have like a good quality version of it I'll, I'll get that thing that we, why not how could these films not be good I mean it, it, so finally I just had to say they're not and go cold turkey and not watch Star Wars ever again yeah but I mean you have to understand like I, I mean my DNA was rewired the day I saw Star Wars in a multiplex in understood Puerto Rico completely. You understood know? So, like, completely understood completely there's no way for we're, me to understand I mean we're cut from the same cloth yeah. but those movies hurt me on such a severe level oh they hurt me that I'm there not, was no no, I mean, no, I mean, no coming back no but the, that's the thing it took is like, 47 wh- whereas, times whereas you you realized early on that there was no going back I I just figured maybe if I read more of the expanded universe uh, books I'll understand it better you know <laughs> I mean, you're like, like a guy who you're gonna try. You're, are you trying to kill yourself? Uh, for for a while, I, well, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like, no, look. I mean, you gotta understand. I mean, these the. I, whenever I, know, I got I know, depressed, I which was like all the time, I, I would watch my Laserdisc of Empire Strikes I Back. I, I mean, know. it's like, but I, I have not seen any of it. I know. Any of I know. It. Uh, it, it's brutal, especially with the yeah. news that they're now coming out on Blu-ray. Like we put this news no, but up on the website, the but the they're originals. not the originals. If, if guys in New York. The People vs. George Lucas. Do you know this movie, People vs. Yeah, George Lucas? Yeah, I live... I, you know the, you know why I haven't seen it? Because I live it every fucking that's, day. That's you know, right. Every time I, get, I sit down right. with a guy like you or you or any of my friends, it's that movie. And, I, can't, and you know what? I can't see it. And you know what? The movie is very mm. much like that. The mm. movie's in New York now. It comes out in L.A. this coming weekend. Mm. I'm in the movie as one of those people who's having a conversation much yeah. like this. And yeah. I tell people, turn it off. Turn it off. Just turn it off. It's like Howard Beale. Turn it off! I'm sick. I'm mad as hell. And I'm not going to take, take it, it anymore. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Just That's, turn it off. No, but I mean, it took me. It took me years to get there, and I went cold turkey. And now I actually find that my memories of the original Star Wars are much brighter and happier, and like I can. Because they're still good films. Yeah, and I'm not gonna watch it ever again, unless you know, maybe in, maybe in 20 years I might sure. watch it again. Sure. But the other thing is, you know, I realized, and 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 now you don't have to read the essay because I'm basically giving it to you. Sure, but I also sure, realized sure. that like most TV writer producers my age. I've seen those movies as many times as I have, obviously. And now we are becoming the showrunners and all that. And it's like, 
a lot of the stuff we're writing are sort of riffs on those films, you know, and it's such a point of cultural, mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of us are just kind of like, too many of us are feeding off the same carcass, you know, right. like, like we need to get away from Star Wars and, and, and see other things. You know, I like, hear you. Like the Expanded Universe books. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so, go watch the Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, but, but, I mean look at this summer. You've, yeah. got, you've got these movies, Cowboys and Aliens and mm -hmm. Super 8, that just come right out of that... Late 80s, or late, 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 late 70s, early 80s culture of that stuff. I'm to criticize those guys. But they look great. They look great. I think that what, you know, it's, it's like if you if you look at those films, I think what, what's important about genre filmmaking in general is that, you know, uh, we just have to kind of move away from remaking Star Wars, right. you know, and I think that, that, uh, that as this generation of writers gets a little bit older, we get a lot more sort of, you know, dirt under our fingernails creatively and all that. Like, mm -hmm. I think we're going to stop doing that and but it's I, and a testament I have high hopes for a lot of these films it is a testament I mean it's a testament how, how fucking big the Spielberg Lucas thing oh, was oh absolutely no, well it is our it is the air we breathe it is the pop cultural air we breathe and you know I'm gonna see you these know? Cowboys and Aliens and Super 8 movies oh, day one day one yeah totally right? well I mean look but, but look at but the, the other thing is like if you look at Cowboys and Aliens for example the creative team in that film like you've got Orsi and Kurtzman, you've got Damon as a writer. That movie's gonna rock. It's gonna be a good film. You know, I mean, obviously, with with those people, with John Favreau directing that movie's gonna be great. You know, Super Eight. I mean, oh, come on, that's, that's my movie for yeah. the summer. I I mean, I have such trust in JJ. Yeah. That movie looks mm -hmm. note for note yeah, perfect. I mean, if he makes, what I'm hoping is that, as a love know, letter to Spielberg. But, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. You know, like I'm actually there, there's a weird generational thing because I I'm actually of the generation like I find that people who are maybe five years younger than I am have a love of, for example, the Goonies. I do that 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 I do not understand for the life of me. I don't it's get no it. It's no Monster Squad. <laughs> no, it is not. You're right. But but I like it. Uh, what I'm hoping Super Eight does is it's actually not bring back the the Spielberg E.T. feeling, but the Poltergeist feeling. Right. Because to me, Poltergeist is the greatest uh, of those '80s movies. Poltergeist. I mean, it has such balls. It's so horrific. It's such a movie of its convictions. And 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 I'm hoping that. That's that's the feeling I want to get back going into yeah. a movie theater, you know. That, that's that's what I'm looking for. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what you got? To put this whole Star Wars thing to bed, mm -hmm. the 3D release, Man's Chinese Theater. Oh fuck You that. get invited. No, I'm not going. That's how I mean. No, you know, I mean, also, what are you I mean, do? yeah, it's like, what are you gonna do? I mean, it's like, honestly, like, that's you leaving the theater. You've had yeah, enough. I don't want to see that movie in 3D. You know. Awesome. And you know what? I love. Here's, and you still have those well, laser discs, right? No, I sold them. You sold. Them? I sold all my laser discs. Yeah, uh, everything. Okay. You know, you know, you know what the th the thing the thing. I'm not well, I figured. I figured. Look, this those laser answer. discs. No, 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 about about a year ago. Um, yeah. Those laser discs gave me a lot of joy. I love them, and I'm, I just figure I'm redistributing the positive energy. Just right. so other people right. can watch those discs now and love them. I kept the Japanese. Fan I think I kept the Japanese Phantom Menace laser disc. Fuck. Because it's such a testament to like my Travis Bickle like obsession. You know that I just yeah. figured. Let's just keep that. That's like that's like the bottle of alcohol that that that, that the alcoholic keeps in the fridge, and you look at it and you go like, "Fuck you!" You know. And yeah. So anyway, why do you hate yourself? <laughs> like, well, actually, you know, you asked me that question, yeah, and, yeah, and, no, no. and and it and, seems and like so you're joking, seriously. but no, no, I'm actually no, no. going to tell no. you. Why do you punish yourself like this? This is. The ultimate psychological revelation I had about the Star Wars prequels is this. Um, these are imperfect films, obviously. Yes. The originals, the way they were made, you know, they were pioneering technology. They don't look, a lot of stuff doesn't look that great, but it all works, right? George Lucas keeps going back and trying to fix them. You know, and to me, that's a metaphor for, and I don't know George Lucas, I don't know what he's up to, whatever. For me, what that told me was like, if, like, that's the part that actually sat worse with me, was this idea that, here's somebody who just keeps going back to fix right. something that didn't need to be fixed in the first place. And I felt like, for myself, like, the more that I walk along with George Lucas on that creative journey, the more I felt like sort of... An enabler? No. It's like, it's like 
let me let me give you an example. Okay. Um, there was a show that I worked on called The Chronicle, mm-hmm. and I got a set of DVDs from it, and I watched it, and we made the show for about a buck fifty. It was a very low budget show, and I watched it, and I and I and I saw it, and I loved it for what it was, you know. And then I put the DVDs away, and I hadn't seen them in about five or six years. I put them away, and then I got on with my life, you know. And to see somebody who was creatively so important to me continually go back to try to fix something that was perfect in the first place makes my heart ache. Yeah. It makes me feel like. It, it makes me feel like, 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 why does this guy, what is wrong with this guy's self-esteem that he has to keep going back to try to fix something that already was perfect, you know? Yeah. What is this man doing? Why does he keep reworking this stuff? And for me, it's like, I like to think that now, as a 41-year-old person who has some, you know, who's, who's done some things creatively, that I can just keep moving forward. And I don't want to be on a, on a creative walkabout with somebody who keeps going back. I so that's that. very deep yeah. stuff for Geekscape, I understand. No, 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 but, no, but we got but it. But that is why, like, I stopped watching those films. It's, it's almost not with... Honestly, like I can find something to enjoy in even Attack of the Clones. Right. I know. I know. Whoa. So I could keep watching those films, but at this point, it's just like, why am I walking alongside this person who like has such a beef you, with his own past that he can't? You got to walk go, your you own know? path too. Yeah. You got to do your own thing. And part of that is you, you let it go. Like I don't. I'm not going back to fix my old work. Why is he doing it? You know. I want to look right. ahead, not behind. As Hall and Oates said, I think. Um, how are we doing on time, Ryan? Uh, let's talk real quick. I uh, I have a comic book coming out this summer. You do? I do. It, it, That's awesome. So do it, I. It's got. It, 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 talk about your. No, your no, book, talk your about book your is book. Dead at Seventeen, right? No, no, no. Dead at Seventeen is a movie that I'm writing right now. Oh, uh, cool. And uh, and it, show, show 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 America. Yeah, the well, you, we've seen the tattoo. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, Dead at Seventeen. Yes, uh, I I am actually uh, very close to beginning to write this film. It's been a difficult. Uh, developmental process, but uh, I, I am about to begin work on the screenplay. Uh, Dennis Eliadis is the director attached to it. Um, Josh is a friend of mine, mm-hmm. Josh Howard, so he has actually been involved with me during the development of this. He knows what we're doing, so it's going to be a really solid adaptation of the book with you know uh, the creator actually having been in the loop, which is always Great. a good thing. Whenever I get involved with the comic book adaptation, I, I, I always pick comics to adapt that, like for example, the Couriers, uh, things that uh. I... Wait, you're doing the Couriers? Well, I've, I wrote that film wrote about uh, three, four years ago, and uh, it's been in sort of I development. And it's been a lot of different uh, directors attached to that. So hopefully, at some point, it'll get made. But what you were gonna say? You is, try is and pick I, I, I pick comics that I don't have to change right. very much. Not because I'm lazy, but because I don't want to get Alan Moore. You know? Right. I mean, the last thing I want is for Josh Howard or, or Brian Wood to go out being like, I don't know what these guys are doing. You know? So, mm-hmm. so it's important to me to pick work that I really believe in as a comic book that I don't have to do a lot of like. Um, with Dead at 17, we've had so to... He's, you know, he's lazy. <laughs> lazy. Bum. Uh, but, uh, so anyway... You just so, lift so, it. Yeah, just done. It. Screenplay's just, done. Screenplay, yeah, exactly. You just started but two days ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but also, so Dead at 17, that's in the works. And What's this uh, one this summer that's coming out? My comic book is called Ramiel, The Wrath of God. Uh, it is, it is, you know, angels are the new vampires. Yes, of course. That's true. Uh, and, uh, and this is an angel project that I actually started about, God, I wrote this thing in 96 originally. Ooh. Uh, and it's something that I've been reworking for a long time. Uh, you were two, right, at that time? <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, yeah, exactly. You were a zygote. Um, and, uh, and it's a project that I just love. It's like the middleman in that, I, in that I've sold it a bunch. It, it, well, I didn't sell the middleman. You've optioned times, it several times. It's been optioned yeah. a lot. It's been reworked a lot. And it, it just keeps getting not made. So I just said comic book time. Comic book time. And uh, it, is, it, it actually has a little bit in common with Thor. It is, it is about an angel who is, he is the wrath of God and he is sent to earth uh, to uh, he, he's not sent to earth he willingly comes to earth becomes a human being super powered nonetheless and uh, and so it's a superhero story with an angel concept an angel mythology in, are you uh, going to come to our Geekscape booth at Comic Con and maybe promote yeah. promote this Hell thing yeah. Yeah. when's it get published 
at Comic Con, we're going to have the first issue. That is going to be the first time the world sees it. Uh, Stephen Gendron, who's an artist uh, who did uh, some work for Outlaw. Is he going to be sitting at our booth too? I hope he's there. Um, well, I wanted to tell you guys we're going to be sitting at our booth promoting Super Action Man number one, my super pro-American yes. comic book, mm -hmm. which I'll spoil the first issue. He kills Osama bin Laden. It uh, it was in preview. It, you know, pre it was it was in May's previews yeah, catalog yeah, yeah. for all of four or five days. Mm -hmm. When Ben Laden was yeah. actually killed, yeah, um, I won't that lie to you. President. I won't lie to you, Geekscapist. My comic book killed Osama Bin Laden. Uh, I, I won't lie to you guys. I we did actually re-letter a couple pieces in the book because I did a little George Lucas thing of my own. No, I, I I just saw that now that we know the facts, I definitely have to change Afghanistan to Pakistan, the year to 2011, and. I updated it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys are going to get a Super Action Man comic that knows yeah, Bin Laden was dead. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. We're good. Is this going to be edited out? No, we're fine. Okay, cool. No, no. What's, like, no. What, what's editing? <laughs> what is editing? You called my bluff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Um, but, guys, yeah, the Super Action Man comic does have Bin Laden dying, and I've spent the last week kind of dealing with. Uh, a little bit of relettering, but also promoting the book uh, because what are you going to do? I got a book to sell. Yeah. We're fighting people like mm -hmm. Bin Laden for the freedom of speech and so that we can make comic books. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, I'll take the flack along with the praise. Dude. I mean, the people from because, IGN because were super you nice know, to put up a story. You know damn well that the praise is by far going to outnumber the flack. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. book is a hilarious version of how Bin Laden was killed by massive. a one man Rambo like army. Yes. Stupidity. It's silliness. It's the oversimplification mm -hmm. of U.S. foreign policy in the most gung-ho NASCAR pro wrestling way. Right? That's right. the book, basically. Yeah, that's my life. <laughs> Get her done. <laughs> you know? That's how I live. Day um, to day. So, Javi, we're going to see you at Comic-Con? You're going to see me at Comic-Con. The name of the book that you're going to be having... Ramiel, Wrath of God. Ramiel, Wrath of God. Yes. Much easier to pronounce than your last name. Than my last name. Uh, you know, I actually who's, don't speak who's English. Publishing it? Everything I've said has been learned phonetically. Yeah, who's publishing uh, it? Ape. Ape, Ape Entertainment, Entertainment yes. and are, um, is it something? Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. is it something that people can order in previews now? Uh, you know, we're going to have the first issue at Comic Con, and uh, and and we're still trying to nail down whether that's going to be a preview issue or whether that's going to be like at the same time that'll hit stores. And how long is it going to run? Oh, it's going to be a four uh, issue miniseries. Okay, uh, it's going to be they're going to be super size issues, and it's going to become a big old hundred page trade paperback. It's going to be fantastic. Okay. Yes, yeah, sir. So after a year, you'll have the trade paperback at a Geekscape Comic Con booth oh, in, in oh, yeah. no, 2012. No, no. Yeah, no. You're not going to be able to get rid of me. We don't want to. Thank you. We don't want to. We like you. We like you. Uh, we want to. We want to actually want to help you through a lot of what you're dealing with. Oh, thank you. Okay. You yeah. Know, so this it, is actually it's, an, it's an intervention. That you, I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I if I find Can myself you bring watching, his family in? yeah. If I if, if I find myself <laughs> watching Star Wars again, I should call you. Do not do that. Okay. Okay. I have not seen Star Wars. Do not do that. Do, uh, no, no, Hobby, Hobby. In, in two thousand three or whatever uh, it was when Attack of the Clones came right. out, I saw it. It was two thousand six. Well, I saw it. I haven't seen Star Wars since. Mm -hmm. And this is someone who had mm -hmm. the sheets. I had the posters. I had. I mean, mm -hmm. I had everything. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It, you know, it, it, you can't do it. Yeah. Can I cosplay Grand Admiral Thrawn at Comic Con when I'm at your booth? No, no. Okay. You, that, that, not, not, Why? Not, I just not want a little. I just want to touch. I just want to taste. So Star, Star, Star Wars fans are welcome, but you yes. know what? For uh -huh. people like you and I, we have stories mm -hmm. to tell of our own. We can't spend no, our time doing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We can't spend our time now. But stuff. but I, I will tell you this. Um, you know, uh, and, and this is. Uh, and I'm sorry. I know we're running out of time, but I got to tell you this. Good. This we is got it. Three uh, first of all, I, I have been dared to cosplay at Comic Con, mm -hmm. so I'm trying to figure out 
what cosplay Modoc. I will do. Modoc. Modoc. Alright, that's done. Okay. It's no, topical uh, no, with Captain uh, America coming yeah. out. It's either Modoc or no, um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, but I decided to get my feet wet by cosplaying at Gallifrey One. Okay. Which is the Doctor Who convention. Yeah, but you, that's easy. Doctor Who's easy because no. they're so supportive. Uh, no, Doctor Who fans are, are are great. Yeah, exactly. So I went to Gallifrey One and I and I dressed as the Master, mm -hmm. uh, the 1970s Master, not not the hoodie young guy with the bleach bond. I don't do that. Yeah. No, no. I, I like had the Van Dyke mustache. I had the Nehru jacket, the black gloves, the boots. It's awesome, right? Uh, so I got my photo with Peter Davidson, uh, mm -hmm. me, me dressed as the master, Peter Davidson, so great. And I decided I was going to get my photo taken with one of every doctor, because people were cosplaying all 11 doctors, and I'm finding all of them, but I couldn't find the third doctor. And, uh, and finally, I see a, a head of white hair bobbing in the crowd, <laughs> and I'm like, third doctor, John Pertwee, come here, I need to get my photo. And then like the guy turns around, and I'm not going to say who it was, but let's just say it was another well-known entertainment industry slash comic book <laughs> professional, okay? And he turns to me, and I turn to him, and I'm like, what are you doing here? Dressed like the third doctor. And he's like, what, what are you, you doing, doing here? This is the master. I'm like, let's just do a photo and never talk of this again. He's like, yeah, let's click. Bye. <laughs> so in, here at Geekscape, <laughs> Javi, you can embrace that stuff. Oh, no. I, yeah. So, so, but actually, you know, if you go to my webpage, okbjgm.com, uh, okay. uh, uh, you can actually, you can find my Twitter. You can find, find my Facebook there. I'm actually a very promiscuous Facebooker. I'll friend anybody. Okay. And what I would like catch a is disease to get that way. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can catch a disease. Oh, that I have. Way. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what what I what I uh, what I would like to do is, if you're watching this podcast, just go on my Facebook page, go on my Twitter page, and actually suggest a costume that I should oh. do for Comic Con. You know, okay. because I'm trying to figure out what to do. It was going to be Thrawn, but no Star Wars. Right. Also, blue makeup with a white uniform. That's not going to work for me. Uh, so you'd have to get the Yasuna Mary. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. No, I know yeah. what the Salamiri is. I saw, I saw, hey. I saw Attack of the Clones hey. like you know twenty-eight times. I know what the Salamiri <laughs> is, my friend. Uh, well, and actually, the real question with Thrawn is in the Salamiri. It's it's whether you have brushes, yeah, or not, because some versions of Thrawn have the brushes. Have the brushes, don't. absolutely. You gotta have the brushes, right? But okay. the fucking contacts will kill you. Yeah, no, they've killed me already. I'm dead. I'm not even here. It's like it's like the sixth sense. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so send me your suggestions, please. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. Uh, Geekscapes. That's episode two hundred and ten. We're gonna be here next week with a review of. Fuck. We're gonna have a review of Priest. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the the Linus Roach yeah. uh, Antonia Bird movie about uh, the gay priest in England. Uh, this one that's coming out that doesn't look good. But I'm taking a bullet for you guys. The one I um, yeah. <laughs> guys, uh, we're going to have another new guest on the Geekscape podcast for episode 211. And that guest will sit right here where I'm at best. Right here. Yeah. Uh, check us out on geekscape.net. Uh, also on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Search for Geekscape. You'll find us. And last but not least, I'm going to leave you guys with a little red carpet from South by Southwest of Kristen Wiig and director Paul Fagg talking about Bridesmaids, which opens this coming weekend. All right, guys? Here's that, and we'll see you guys next week. Judd and I, we, we always loved working together. We, you know, we did Freaks and Geeks together and then hadn't, hadn't been together since then, really. I, I directed an episode of Undeclared, but other than Knocked Up, we kind of been on our own path. But it was so fun to get back together because I've always wanted, I love working with women. Like, Lindsay was always my favorite character to write on, uh, on Freaks and Geeks. And so when this project came up, I was really excited to get to work with a lot of women. And I thought the project was so good. Kristen and Annie wrote such a, an amazing script. And that uh, we just got to take that and play with it and cast people they'd worked with before who were really great improv improv performers and um, and I think it really shows I, the process was just to make it very honest and feel very real and not like the usual movie about women that is 
overwritten and kind of not like almost. I don't know. We really wanted to make it feel real, and and I, I'm I'm thrilled with it. And how was it getting that kind of realism and the hilarity while still kind of getting back into the director's chair? Did it, did you, you have a ramp up period? Did you have a training sequence like in like in Rocky? Like what what did it take to get back in there? Was well, it, we got to do a lot of uh, uh, rehearsals and improv sessions with the girls uh, as we were getting gearing up for production, and so that just that helped me learn about them. I made a point to have lunch with each one of them separately to kind of talk about their characters and see what their ideas were and get them invested in, in bringing their own personalities or people they knew into the into the character. And then from that we did a lot of uh, rehearsals with improv sessions and we would transcribe the things that they said that were funny and then put that into the script and then work it again. And then we get the set, we would just kind of let them go. We knew the, the, the basic blueprint we wanted to do, but then was letting them sort of do their uh, you know do their thing and then we get get to the editing room with all this material and really sort it out and now that you're back in the seat uh, are you just gonna keep going or are you gonna... yeah I, I love being uh, there's a few things that are pending right now a couple of big movies but that I'm we're still in the works on but uh, I, I just love I to me it's a thrill having been an actor for a long time it's more thrilling for me because I felt very limited as an actor and it's so exciting to get to use the talents of other people and, and make them look their best and guide them along and kind of show them in their best light. So I, I'm very happy behind the camera. You are the yes. main enchilada in Rise of Which is a little scary. Um, yeah, it's my first leading role and um, first written thing that I co-wrote with my with my good friend Annie Mumolo. Um It's kind of just hitting me right now that it's actually playing tonight in a theater and I'm really, really excited. Um, and Paul, same thing. I mean, I've I've worked with Greg a handful of times and uh, been fans of Nick and Simon for years. So I don't know. I'm really happy right now. <laughs> did you write in the Did you write in the kissing John Ham stuff, knowing like, hey, I'm gonna hook myself up? Or what was no, no, it wasn't like that. Um, but he did end up getting cast. So, and I am, you know, I did have a say in that. And what was it like uh, assembling your bridesmaids and putting the movie together? Did that really help flesh this house, or did you guys kind of know who you wanted to put in it just from the group of friends that you guys kept? Um, I mean, we knew what what we wanted, but we, we didn't want to write it with specific people in mind just because, I don't know, sometimes that's not a good idea if they maybe they can't do it or then someone else is doing it. And I, we just kind of thought of the characters as these sort of made-up people. And um, although uh, Wendy's character... We've known Wendy for years, and we did write that for her, and we were so lucky that she got to do it. And um, it just so happens that other people that we were, you know, friends with and knew got to be a part of it, and it's very exciting. 